subtle skills, big results. Welcome to the Ninja Selling Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Ninja Selling Podcast. Garrett and Matt are here with you as always, and we are bringing up a topic that we are talking about quite a bit right now, which is negotiations. And there's good reasons why we continually talk about this. And it's because we feel that there needs to be better negotiators out there. And it is probably one of the best, if not the best skill that you could have for your business. It really, really is. So before we dive into that, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're new to Ninja Selling, head over to ninjaselling.com, learn more about it there, installations, coaching, check out the book by Larry Kendall, check out our community on Facebook. What an awesome place to get to know Ninja, get to know other ninjas, get to know Garrett and myself and our coaches and instructors and everybody. Just search for the Ninja Selling Podcast on Facebook. But let's dive in, Garrett. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, sir. How are you today? Good, man. Doing great. I'm excited to be back with you again. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's been a long, it's been a long time. If anybody hasn't realized this, really enjoy this, dude. <laughs> All right. So we've got another good topic today. We had discussed two topics, Matt. Where are we at? Which one do we start with? We're doing the negotiation one, being having all the information. Negotiation, that's right. I find negotiation is one of these things that we know we need it. We know that we're here to negotiate deals for clients. And I think in any any part of our life, there's lots of people who are not real estate agents. We got people from all different walks of life, I'm even parents. There is a place that you need to have and sharpen the skills of being a great negotiator. And I think a lot of us just kind of like think we're going to learn it along the way. Oh, you learn negotiation by doing more transactions. You learn more negotiation skills by different situations that you're in. And it is a trained skill. There are classes out there. There's incredible books out there. And uh, I look at like getting to where we want to go, building the life that we want to have. Half of that is negotiation. My uh, my uh, friend used to always joke when I was a kid, My he's still my best friend. I've known him since I was in third grade. And he used to always be like, Garrett can get anything he wants. And he used to always call me like, dude, ultimate salesperson. Like he can go into any situation. And at the end of it, he's going to get exactly what he wants. And I think, and this is where this started for me as part of being a really good, good negotiator is knowing all the pieces that you have at your fingertips that you get a chance to work with. And this is, again, it's a skill that I think some of us might be born with. Some of us are trained through as we go through life and some we go and we take actual education on. But for the most part, being aware and being gathering as much information as you possibly can so you understand what you're dealing with is what's going to allow you to be a really good negotiator. And that's what I think is fun about talking about this today is, is that, again, it's like, what makes us good negotiators? And at the same time, how do we get there? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think we've talked about on prior episodes here, not specifically negotiation episodes, but we talked about the different opportunities you have when it comes to negotiating deals and things like that, but diving into like having the information, right? This is the first step to being a great negotiator, which this is truly a trained skill, right? This is not something that you're born with. This isn't something that you need to go experience to get better at. In fact, I really dislike when people are like, oh, just do more deals and you'll get better at it. Yes, of course you will. Like if you go drive the track enough times, you're going to get better at driving the track. 
But wouldn't it also be nice to learn some information before going out and doing those things? Speaking and of so, tracks, speaking of tracks, Matt, just as you brought it up, <laughs> not not to bring up racing. I'm sorry. Uh, and I mentioned I recently, you know, the the best thing that I've ever done, like for learning a track, is sitting in the passenger seat of somebody's car who's a professional. This is no different than going to a class on negotiation, reading a book on negotiation. It's like sitting in the passenger seat and learning in real time. We're sitting next to somebody who's on the phone negotiating. Yeah. Like go to a negotiation with a mentor of yours. I mean, that was one of the best things for me in my career before I found Ninja. And I didn't even know anything from anything is I sat right next to the top producer of the office I was at. And I listened to her on the phone, talk to people. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's something that you can say, oh, those are the questions that she's asking. And so, and this leads into that, that information gathering of understanding what information do I want to have to negotiate a deal for anything, right? And a lot of the times we just accept the information we have. Oh, here's what came through on the contract, Garrett. This is what we're now going to negotiate. Well, what's missing? Let's start there. Right. Let's start with, well, what other information do we need to have? So before we start countering and doing all these things, are there additional questions that we need to ask, which I guarantee every single contract you get, well, maybe not every single one, because some contracts are really good, which means there's a really good negotiator on the other side. So watch out. Most contracts that you get don't have all the information that you could have in order to negotiate a good deal. Right, Karen? When we talk about gathering more information, the simple question of reaching out to the seller and saying, is there something specific or something that would really, the, the sellers would be really excited to see in the offer. And all of a sudden that listing agent says, oh, they would love to be able to stay in the house for a period of time after or rent back on the house. Oh, brilliant. Like this is all negotiation is what it is. Like this is us gathering information so that we can put together a great offer where, you know, especially in the market we were just in, I saw a lot of people going, what's verbiage? What's words I can put in that's going to make somebody go, oh, that's the offer we're going with. And I'm like, it's not. It's knowing more information. It's gathering more information that allows you to be a great negotiator. And when stressful things come up, when you know all this great information, you know that they want to rent back because they've got a job that they need to finish up here before they can make a move. And you got you just keep gathering, gathering information. Now, when it comes time to negotiate something else, you can say, look, we want them to take care of all the things on this inspection. And what we'll do is we'll give them a little bit more leeway with the actual move out date, if that's what they need, if they can take care of all these things on this inspection. And we're now negotiating. It's not just a, we want you to take care of all the repairs. We're bringing in all these other elements and building it into this package where they can go, oh my gosh, that would be so helpful to them. And yeah, we'll make the trade-off on here. You you gave up nothing in the negotiation other than understanding them giving them a little bit of leeway. And here you got all the inspections taken care of or the inspection problems taken care of. So I think like, this is where I go back to, we don't take the time to gather enough information a lot of the times. And this is what's going to allow you at least first steps to be a better negotiator. It's not just a seller on the other side. And they're not just buyers on the other side that we're negotiating with. And yeah, I mean, there's that. There's a reason a third parties that separates buyer and seller works so well because they don't put all their cards on the table because 
people that put all their cards on the table are weak negotiators. <laughs> um, there's a reason that this, when you go to buy a car, the buyer of the car doesn't go sit down with the owner of the company because the owner of the company back and forth, they're going to give away everything, just the way that it works. So they put people in the middle to gather just the right information. And that's what a car salesman's doing half the time out there. Good ones, they're learning and learning and learning and learning and learning. So when it sits down at the negotiation table, they're playing to a much higher thing that you have internally that's making you go, I'm not leaving here today without this car. This is, this is built this all into who I am, what I want to be, the life I want to have, the person I want to show up as, yada, yada. If they figure it out, and this is all negotiation, which you can look at as like, oh, slimy sales. It's really not. You're playing into, and you're not playing into, that's not in the right word. You're working with what's important to the people that you're actually doing a transaction with instead of it just being surface level stuff. Yeah. And then you actually have happy clients leaving there, right? It's not a, a slimy sales thing unless, I mean, are there people who have malintent out there? Yeah, for sure. But obviously we're not talking about that because we're ninjas. And you all hopefully have experienced the consumer end of a great salesperson. I have, and I love it when I'm like, man, this is great. I'm not in a strong negotiating position, but I am getting exactly what I want. You know, okay, so I'm paying like an extra dollar or so more, but I'm getting exactly what I want because this salesperson is gathering the information so that they can sell me this product or this service. And one of the other reasons why realtors are put in between buyers and sellers is for the emotions, right? So that we can remove those emotions so that we have the clarity to ask questions. But the challenge is, is a lot of realtors out there don't fully remove their emotions. They want to get a deal done as quickly as possible. So they don't ask the questions. And the beauty of asking questions is, as you said it, Garrett, about not giving anything away, asking a question gives nothing away about your position. Some people might think, well, if I ask too many questions, they might think that we're this, this, and this. It's like, no, you're just asking maybe how you ask the question could lead that way. But if we're just trying to gather information, and this definitely goes both ways with both buyers and sellers, you know, what's the seller's ideal offer and all that stuff, but also like understanding like, hey, is this the seller's first home? How long have they lived in this home? I noticed that there were some kids' rooms in there. Did they raise their kids in this home? Understanding the emotional attachment to this house is going to be important in your negotiation as well. Where are they, where are they going? Notice they already boxed things up. Where's their next destination? Are you representing them on the other transaction? Now, maybe you're not going to get into the weeds on some of this stuff, but sometimes these might be relevant questions. And going the other way, if you have buyers coming to you, hey, is this their first home? Have they bought homes before? Have they bought homes in this area before? How secure is their financing? You know, they have this pre-approval. How much money are they putting down? Is there a proof of funds for that? I've seen that come to bite somebody in the butt recently too, where they're like, oh, they said they had this much down payment. They were pre-approved for it. Then it turned out they didn't have that money. It's like, well, amazing. we didn't investigate that pre-approval thorough enough. And these are simple questions. And if the other party is in a good position, which we hope that they are, because a good negotiation, you have strong negotiators on both sides, you're going to have some good answers to those questions. It's not about holding things back necessarily. It's not saying, well, you can't see my proof of funds. Because to me, that's, oh, you don't have it. And so we're going to move on to the next. <laughs> <laughs> 
if and if they are like, oh, I don't know, I need to go back. Now you also understand, like, okay, do I have a strong negotiator on the other side, or can we, you know, maneuver some things to the advantage of my client? Sometimes it's just gathering the facts of the deal. Like, but the other part is, is like, so if let's say I'm the seller or listing agent on this deal, and we got an offer that's being submitted, and I asked them, what did your buyers? fall in love with about this house? Great question. They're not going to sit there and be like, I don't feel like I can share that with you. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, what they loved is the backyard. They've got, you know, they've got kids, they've got horses, they've got whatever it might be, but this is what they fell in love with. And they love the riding space out and back and all that. My gosh, like, what does that mean? Do they have a lot of horses or do they have like, you are just being a curious person at the same point, you are now learning these things that literally can lock these people into this house. Because as you are negotiating certain pieces, you now know what you can play with here and what you can offer and what's going to make that actually even more strong because it's not just a house for them. It's this simple little ranch house that they, yeah, the house is okay. But the real thing they love is that the back fence line backs to open space. That's what they love about it. Mm. And here we are thinking we're selling a house and we're negotiating on a house. And I think that those are the things that if you can gather that stuff, what was their favorite thing about the house as they, you know, just that made them want to write the offer on it? What makes that so important to them? And just start gathering and gathering and get because you're going to need all this information to help your sellers be successful getting to the closing table because they might get blindsided by an interest rate that they weren't expecting. And then at that point in time, we can start talking with the buyer's agent and even talking with them sometimes to say, here's, I know this house is, is this important to you. How can we all work together to make sure that you guys can still have this and we can still move along? Instead of them just throwing their hands up in there and going, crap, we're out, I guess, <laughs> and walking away, you get to bring it back to what the really important stuff is. And that's how you negotiate. That's any good negotiation, whether you're negotiating a, a hostage out of a bank or whether you're negotiating somebody, their, you know, their home that they want to live in for the next five years. Well, and the interesting thing, like those questions you just brought up too are very important because the negotiation doesn't end once you have a contract signed, no. right? You know, understanding why somebody is invested in that house, why they want to write the offer on that house, or understanding why a seller wants to move on from that home. When other properties come on the market, you know, let's say over the next year, inventory does rise and there is more competition. And all of a sudden, a week after our contract, another house with an even better backyard with a riding ring comes on the market. As the listing agent, I'm like, ooh, this is going to catch our buyer's attention. We need to figure out how we keep their value here in this house, you know, not just through threatening, oh, well, we have a contract, but understanding like they're going to be drawn to this thing over here. So we need to make sure that our value is maximized over here, that we are understanding exactly what they're looking for. So they go through with this deal, right? Because it's great to think that like, oh, all people are really nice and they're going to follow their word and just follow through. But when it comes to real estate and having the home of their dreams, I'm sorry. Like people are going to be like, well, you know, we told Garrett we'd buy his house. So, you know, instead of having that one that's like truly our dream one, we're just going to follow through with this. Like, no, they'll probably give up their earnest money for that or whatnot, which those become the negotiating points, right? And if any of you are not horse people or ranch people, just flip that scenario into I have a high rise condominium and I have a view of the city or I have a view of the water. And I'm the one who has the house with the view of the city listed. 
and one for the exact same price as I'm under contract showed up on the other side of the building with a view of the bay. It's like, okay, yeah, we need to be careful here because all of a sudden this person can be like, what? There's a drip under the sink? Non-negotiable. We're not, we're not going to, we're, we're out. Yeah. Well, and, and this leads into, if you understand your market, right, having the information, not only from the other side, but having the information of what's going on in the market so that at the beginning, you know, maybe we are negotiating more earnest money up front. Maybe we're negotiating some non-refundable stuff so that we are giving ourselves a hedge against other things that could happen for our sellers and protecting our sellers in those ways. Because maybe that would be enough to keep a buyer committed, or at the very least, your seller can at least have some money at the end of that deal that maybe falls through, in which case maybe they're coming out ahead. So asking questions, understanding what's going on, understanding your marketplace, just put you in this position to be able to create a deal that works for everybody. Because ultimately, that's what we want at the end, is a deal that makes everybody happy. That's what we're looking for in negotiation, is this win-win particularly when it comes to real estate, right? There's no like, oh, we got them, right? If you're going in it with that mentality, you're going to miss gathering some information that can help you and your clients win. Well, and I think those are the two big takeaways I'm hoping that people grab from this episode is, is that one is, is that never, never, never stop learning. The more information you can gather about the people that are on the other side of the transaction, that's going to help your clients be successful So because you know exactly how to negotiate and how to talk with them. The second thing that you said, Matt, that I'm hoping people take away is, is that the negotiation does not stop when you get mutual acceptance on a contract. That's like, we're just in the very beginning of the game here. We have a lot of things that we're going to need to work through. We have a lot of times that we're going to need to keep people's attention and keep them focused on what the big goal is and what they're trying to accomplish. And it's all in our job. And sometimes we're going to need to actually have that conversation with the agent on the other side to remind them, to remind their client what the big picture is here that we're doing. Because if they've got a weak negotiator on the other side and all they've taken the time is to learn is the surface level facts of this transaction that they're helping their client with, they may not be in a good negotiation position with their client. And I have laughed because I watch and people say like, in my real estate agent, what I want is a good negotiator. And I've chuckled over the years because 90% of the negotiation is actually us negotiating with our own clients <laughs> in helping them in knowing all the important pieces. And when tough things come up, instead of them walking away, being able to bring them back to say, let's look at it from this side over here and let's talk about this for a second. And let's make sure we're being clear about this. There is a lot of negotiation with the other side of the transaction. I get it. But most of the negotiation is done with our own client themselves. So as you said, Matt, it doesn't stop at this, but also know who you're negotiating with. Yes, we are negotiating for our client. We're going to do a lot of negotiating with our client too, to get them to where they want to go. And I think that's the important thing. It's not selling them on anything. You're not trying to trick them into buying. You're helping them see through the dust of a of a situation that they don't do very often where they can very easily get everything clouded up and they can shut down and say, I don't want to do this right now. And part of our negotiation skills is saying, I'm going to help you part the clouds a little bit, see to the other side, what is the big goal? And then what happens is they get to the other end of it and they go, oh my gosh, Matt, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There were so many times through this transaction that I wanted to throw the towel in and walk away. And you helped me stay clear on what the end all goal was. That's all negotiation. Yeah. 
It is. Well, and a lot of people think negotiation is this combative, competitive thing. And it's not. Negotiation is collaborative. And negotiation means asking questions, learning, and helping achieve a result. So that's what you need to focus on. Gather all the information. Yep. And you're going to be successful at this. So with that being said, Matt, thank you so much. This is your topic, I think. Maybe. Yeah. Sure. I'll take it. We're going to give it to you, Matt. Great topic. Thank you so much. Anybody who's listening, you want to learn more about ninja selling, go to ninjaselling.com. Like I've said this about 500 times, 501 times. We've strung together a lot of recordings today, so that could be it too. 502. <laughs> 502 times. Go to ninjaselling.com. If you want to coach in your life, you want to learn more about coaching, that's again, that's where we spend most of our time. Come check us out at ninjacoaching.com. If you uh, want to learn more from a great like-minded group of people like yourselves, go to the Facebook community, the Ninja Selling Podcast group or community, Ninja Selling Podcast community. Just go there. Just Google it. You'll show up. Yeah. And in the meantime, have an amazing, amazing day doing things that you love, hanging out with people that you love, talking nicely to yourself. Yeah. Just make it incredible. Have a wonderful day. (laughs) I echo that. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like more, visit us at the ninjasellingpodcast.com. There you will also find links for more information about ninja selling and coaching. Have an incredible day.